This is Take 30 for February 2019. Round two coming back at you. We've gotten tons and tons of love on Take 30. And we've got another exciting show brought to you by you. Coming at you with your ideas, the stories you find important, relevant, and notable from around the league. We're going to talk about Beat Baseball's call-up to the major leagues. We're going to talk with Kyle and Rebecca Lewis from the Indy Thunder about the National Fitness Challenge. What the Thunder are doing to stay atop of the league. And we've got an awesome conversation with Greg Gonteric. But first, I want to introduce my co-host, my compadre, my friend, Mr. Steven Guerra. Steve, thanks so much for being on the show. How are you, man? Hi there. Doing well, dude. Doing well. We've gotten a lot of people who have asked questions about Take 30. What is it? What are we doing with this thing? And I I think we both really just wanted to get the record out there, uh, set the table. What would you say Take 30 is? Take 30 are all the stories about the people, the players, the volunteers, the officials, the game that just have never been told or brought to the forefront. We want to tell the story about the league, the people, and the people that make the game. And it will make the game so much more exciting that people knew backstories behind the player on the Cleveland Scrappers or the SGV Panthers from California or Seattle Sluggers. I mean, there's all these wonderful people and stories out there that they're just dying to be told. Yeah, I mean, this is more than just a game. It's more than just a competition. It's more than a a tournament. This is a community. It's a community of people and stories and lives. And, you know, I think when we started talking about this show, we said we wanted it to be more than just you know, action or stats from the games. We really wanted it to tell big, bold stories. And so I think we're going to do that. You know, why do you think telling our story is important, man? Why do you think doing this with Take 30 is an important thing to do? I think as many years as the league has been around, the 40 plus years, a nonprofit looks to gain credibility from every angle. Truth be told, We have never been able to scratch the surface of Major League Baseball because you think about, you know, you have the National Hockey League and now you have blind hockey. You have Paralympic sports and you think of USABA, United States Association for Blind Athletes. When beat baseball players think about our game and we want to try to bridge the gap between, look, we we have some of the finest athletes in the world. And the difference between them and professional baseball players is that they have no sight. No, you're right. I mean, the energy, the athleticism, the demand of this game, I think that's part of the story. And the reality is, is we have a rich history of competition and growth in the league. And so I think being able to showcase that while still looking forward, right, and telling the stories of tomorrow These are all really important and necessary things. I mean, if we're not talking about what this game means and what it means in the lives of the players, 
then I don't think really anyone will. And so I think it's our responsibility. Uh, agreed. I mean, we're, we're both storytellers. We've been on this journey for nearly two years now, telling stories through our redesigned website, through a different promotional, through Facebook, and a player spotlight, an official spotlight. We have over 550 members of our league. Every one of them should have their story told. Yeah, I mean, you're you're totally right. And I think that as we turn the page on this thing and we start to open this up and and tell those stories, I think Take 30 is going to be something that's going to probably transcend all of our expectations. I mean, as we get started, Steve, what do you think people can expect from the show? I think you can expect excellence. I think you can expect to hear stories of people that you only knew of being on the other side of the ball when you're at bat or when you're on defense. I think you'll hear a audio production that is solely voluntary, but it's perfection because of the dedication that we want to have with having this show sound as good as it possibly can be as a product of the organization. Because why would you want to put a product out there that doesn't sound good? So really the expectation that we want to deliver is we want to not only tell the story, but we want to have you listen and have you say, Hey, that was really good. That was awesome. I want to hear another one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we're looking toward the future while making nods at the past and we can't do this thing by ourselves. I mean, we really need this community. And so as this show grows, as it evolves and it becomes something that we're all contributing to, I'm excited. I can't wait. And I know, uh, Steve, I know you're excited too, man. You know, look, as simple as dropping us an email, we've gotten several emails from a lot of individuals that we've never known before, giving us ideas, giving us encouragement. And really, we greatly appreciate it. But keep them coming. Podcast at mbba.org. That's right. If you've got something you want to see, something you want to hear, we're listening. We want you to be as much of a part of this as we are. And uh, with that, Steve, I think we've got a show to do, right? I I think so. I think we can draw it up in a queue. Let's do it. Don't forget to like, comment, share, repost, retweet, email, send a snail mail. Let the world know what you're hearing. This thing is even better when we build a community and we want you to be a part of it. We want your network, your friends, your family to be a part of it. Make sure that you're sharing the show and sharing the stories like this one. I'm with Kalari Girdley Jackson of the Chicago Comets, and there's been some exciting news in the beat baseball world over the last couple of weeks, and Kalari is front and center. Kalari, I'm really excited that you're here today. Thanks so much for taking some time to talk with me. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, you bet. You bet. And this stuff with the MLB Network, like, has your phone been blowing up with requests to join any major league teams yet? <laughs> no, not yet. No, not yet. But I have been getting a lot of calls from just everybody in the league. Um, you know, everybody just saying congratulations. Just, it's been really great. 
very, very uh, encouraging comments. It really has. Well, I'm excited that you have been a part of this. I mean, for those who haven't seen the piece, it was really, really well done. Kalari repped the game really well. MLB did a phenomenal job, not sensationalizing beat baseball, but really capturing what makes this game great. And, you know, what was it like for you to be a part of something like that? Oh, it was it was amazing. Like I said, I did not I had no idea. So when Bob Babbitt from Challenge Raffle, he contacted me. First he emailed me and he said, Hey Kalari, uh, I'm Challenge Athletes and uh we want to demonstrate beat baseball for a major league network and we want to fly you out. And I said, Okay, because I've been applying to Challenge Athletes for years. And I always tell people, everybody I talk to, I say, Beat baseball saved my life. Because I was a very angry kid, you know, after I lost my vision. I had some bad anger issues. But beat baseball gave me the opportunity to swing at something, tackle something. And the other thing I loved is like I'm able to run because I lost my vision when I was six. And um, I don't know if you can relate, Justin, but the number one thing, right? Your parents are like, don't run, don't run, because they get scared. They kind of try to protect you and shelter you and all that stuff. And what's the number one thing kids like to do is run, you know? <laughs> so I was able to run again without nobody saying, don't do that. It was like freedom. It was amazing. So, and that's what hooked me at nine. And like I said, I've been hooked ever since. And to have an opportunity to do this for MLB was just amazing. It was, it was absolutely amazing. What was it like sharing this game with professional athletes, major league baseball players who are playing the game each and every day, honing their craft? They are talented, dedicated. What was it like sharing your passion, your energy, your preparation with these athletes? I love talking to people about the game. And I'm like one of those people that could talk about b-ball all the time. <laughs> so it was just great uh, meeting these major leaguers. And uh, I got a lot of my teammates that kicking me like, oh, my God, you should have took me. We, they would have been throwing it back, back and forth, statistics and RBIs and all that. And I don't do none of that. We was just sitting having a conversation like they, I mean, I don't, you know, the set Studio 42 is set up like a, a field, right? So the field is AstroTurf. So you got stands, you got a dugout, you got the diamond, outfield all this stuff but it's just a little smaller so it's like a smaller set you know but um they was they was walking around talking to everyone and you know and they would come to me and they was just like man how do you hit you know like what is it like I said oh it's about the timing I was like um batters we really don't need the beeping that's not for us it's for the defense you know we listen to our pitcher our pitcher will help so you know with offense and uh, Harold Reynolds went on to tell me, he's like, that is amazing. He was he did, he went to tell me that a lot of major leaguers, their main issue is timing. He's like, he wish he could, uh, you know, make everyone be blindfolded and kind of just work on timing. He said it's it's a timing thing, and that's how we hit. That's how we primarily play offense. He said that's amazing. So he was really blown away by it. You know, like. <laughs> So it, it was it was amazing to see his reaction and also how open they were to receive this. They generally was like loving what we was doing and they was just 
like blown away. So that that was amazing, you know, to see these major leaguers. And then um, Bob, who's the pitcher for the Titans, he was telling me because uh, he was spotting for us. He was telling me um, <laughs> they was fielding the ball like how you would field like a regular ball. So, and honestly, I never really seen how people field a regular ball. So he told me how like get down on one knee, you know, you wait for the ball to come down. So obviously in b-ball you can't do that so the ball will roll under them and they're like wait a minute did it pass me (laughs) so that's like no you got to stretch out so they started laying out and it was like wow so we explained something this is harder than mlb i mean we are throwing our bodies into the ground for defense you know (laughs) so what do you think has been the response to this piece and what are your hopes for continued exposure as more and more people discover the game of beat baseball? What I like is that it's bringing notice to beat ball and that's what we need. Okay. Like MLB, how did they not know about beat baseball? Like, wow, this should have been like the, like most common sense type of match made in heaven. Right. So it, it was amazing that now we are spreading the sport, spreading news about the sport. I think a lot of times we get caught up in our own world thinking, man, everyone knows about beatball, but they don't. A lot of people don't know about beatball. So I think this is a great way to getting it out there. We get more notoriety. We get more teams. And then ultimately, you know, we're pushing to become a Paralympic sport because we should be. Beatball is amazing, you know? (laughs) You're absolutely right. It is exciting to share the game and our experiences. And now that you have the funds and you are financially able to participate in anything and everything you want this season, how are you preparing to stay strong for yourself, for your team, and to compete at a different level in 2019 with the Chicago Comets? Ah, well... For me, it's a lifestyle. Um, I work out a lot. I do a lot of cardio. Um, I'm getting into weightlifting. Weightlifting has been a little struggle for me, but um, that's ultimately, that's what I'm doing. I'm in the gym weightlifting. I'm cardioing. So um, with beatball, you can't just, you know, show up on the field and be ready to play, you know, especially now. You know, I'm not young like I used to be. <laughs> so you got to get your body conditioned. And then, like I said, I, I don't eat a lot of fried foods. You know, I, I changed a lot of my eating habits and my lifestyle years ago. So that's my thing. And I'm always looking to learn new, new things because ultimately my dream. And I told, I, remember, I mean, um, Challenge Athletes this. I told MLB this too. I really want to be the first woman to make the national offensive lineup for the world series. So that's never been done. It's women been on the national defensive team. Okay. But no women has never been on the offensive team. And that's ultimately my goal. I want it to happen. I'm working towards it and with God and you no know, will it, it will. So that's how I look at it. That's Kalari Gertley-Jackson. That's her story. That's the experience. What an awesome opportunity. What a great moment for her. And 
And Kalari, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for sharing your story and advocating loud and proud for what you do and what you're a part of. We can't wait to see what comes of new opportunities and new exposure. It's time to kick it over to Steven Guerra, who's got a look around the league, a look at the calendar with some events that you should know. Hi, everybody. This is Steve from Take 30, and this is your NBBA calendar of events. These are your birthdays for the month of February. On February 2nd, a very happy birthday to Q Cornell Walker from the St. Louis Firing Squad. On February 4th, a very happy birthday to Larry Hale from the Boston Renegades. On February 6th, a very happy birthday to a longtime supporter and the backbone of the Austin Blackhawks, Rusty Reams. Also a very happy birthday to Dan Kelly from the Philadelphia Fire. On February 18th, a very happy birthday to Tana Gears from the Bayou City Heat and also a happy birthday to the coach of the Bayou City Heat, J.C. Cotter. On February 21st, a very happy birthday to longtime beatball player, J.J. Ward from the Boston Renegades. On February 25th, a very happy birthday to John Patterson from the Iowa Reapers and now playing New Jersey Titans. Also a very happy birthday to a new player to the National Beat Baseball Association, Abby Riggins from the Rochester Pioneers. Also a very happy birthday to the backbone of the Tyler Tigers, Larry Reed. On February 27th, a very happy birthday to Andrea Scott, and a very happy birthday to Dominic Natoli, the pitcher from the Philadelphia Fire. Rounding out the month of February, on February 28th, a very happy birthday to Kirsten Smith, president of the Rochester Area Blind Athletes and head of the Rochester Pioneers. Coming up in the month of March, during the weekend of March 8th through 10th, the NBBA will be holding its springboard meeting at the Renaissance Hotel in Tulsa, Oklahoma, site of the 2019 World Series. And that rounds out your NBBA calendar of events. If you have any events that you'd like to be listed here, send those to podcast at nbba.org. And we'll see you next time. Over to you, Justin. Thanks a lot, Steve. I'm excited to have two great guests on the show today, Kyle and Rebecca Lewis, who are going to talk about the National Fitness Challenge that the Indie Thunder are doing this year. Kyle and Rebecca, how long have y'all been with the Thunder? So I started playing with the Thunder originally uh, 2008. Uh, played with them for two or three years, then took a break with Extreme, and then I've been back with Thunder now for three years. And I've played for Thunder. This will be my third year with them. So the Thunder is doing something pretty exciting this year with the National Fitness Challenge during the offseason and continuing into the 2019 regular season. Tell me a little bit about the National Fitness Challenge and what it's meant for the team so far. So the National Fitbit Challenge is hosted by Anthem Foundation and the USABA. Uh, And what they're doing is they're doing a study with Fitbits to determine the average walking information and activity levels of people with visual impairments. And they can use that data to examine it and compare it to normal people and and people with normal vision. And it, uh, it gives everyone a chance to really see that just because people have a disability doesn't mean they're not active, they're not moving. Why was this something that the Thunder wanted to get involved with? What was the motivation behind participating in an event like this? 
We were very excited about this because not only did we receive new Fitbits, which is awesome, but we are also um, receiving monetary uh, compensation for our involvement in the program. So we are very excited. It's for equipment and travel. And then uh, more interesting, it's a great chance uh, to get the team motivated and active in the off season. It really struck at a great time. We started in October and uh, it's literally the end of our season. And uh, it's a great way to kind of stay in contact and kind of notice what people are doing, see people's numbers, encourage people to do more. Uh, and there's been competitions during the event. As Lots well. of competitions. Uh, so it's it, it, it's good and uh, it's good to be able to keep track of that. And the app works really well with uh, Fitbit, and you can lose weight, monitor everything. Yeah, we've both both lost over 20 pounds since the last season. So it's really helping out a lot. Wow, that's killer and really exciting for you all. And I think that this community approach, this accountability, the teamwork, the collective effort involved with this challenge is going to be really helpful. I think it sends a powerful message about the capabilities and the physical aptitude possible for people in the blindness community. What messages do you think this challenge sends about ability and physical fitness for blind and visually impaired individuals? I think uh, one of the big advantages for this type of challenge with people who are blind or visually impaired is there's a lot of desk work done. Uh, and when people are stationary all day, they, they don't have time for it, don't think about it, and can really help monitor uh, individuals who, who aren't as, don't move as much, not, not necessarily because of laziness, but because of necessity. Uh, for example, I I work uh, in logistics, so I average fifteen to twenty thousand steps a day just at work. Uh, but some people, you know, would be lucky to average five thousand in an office building, and uh, that's actually something you'll see with people who aren't visually impaired as well. So it, it crosses boundaries there. Uh, but I think it's a huge motivator for individuals like that. People don't realize that they're not even making usually a third of their step goals daily. So just to be able to look at that app or listen to that app and know that you know you still have 5,000 to go, it makes you move a little more. But I think also, though, one of the lessons uh, that it shows uh, that it can be learned from people without visual impairments to see the visual impaired community and might be like, oh, well, they might move more than I expected. Or, you know, that things like that, information like that has active minutes on there. And, you know, normal practice, you're pulling you know, 120 active minutes when a lot of people don't pull 10. So, you know, it, it shows the visual world that we're moving to. And I like that. You know, I got to ask, have there been any funny stories or any interesting things that have happened along the way as you all have been participating in this challenge? Well, uh, one of our teammates walks a ridiculous amount more than anybody else. And we were trying wondering if he was putting it on the fit or uh, putting his Fitbit on the fan blade or giving it to his kids or l- letting his dog run around with it or whatever. But then we saw him at practice and that dude just does not stop moving. So <laughs> that was kind of funny. Uh, and then uh, what I found uh, fun is, is the people on the list who surprise you on how much they move. Uh, you know, you, it, some people you think wouldn't move as much might move a lot more than you'd anticipate. And uh, people pop up one day and I, uh, uh, you can accept challenges and do challenges on the app. So it's a race on how many steps. And I challenge uh, a couple of people. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm down 20,000 steps and don't know what happened. Thinking I average high. I think the big question that's going to be on everybody's mind is what is this doing for your off season? And what does it mean 
for a bigger, stronger, more successful Indie Thunder that's coming after a fourth title this year in Tulsa. I honestly think this Fitbit challenge is going to get us in better shape than we've ever been. And so I'm anticipating us just kicking butt. The the biggest the biggest asset on the Thunder is the fact that we are still growing. We may be going for our fourth consecutive, but this is only our fourth year as this group. And we're really starting just now to come together and gel into some of the experiences the experienced teams have that, that level of of knowledge and awareness especially on defense you'll see it, that level of uh that bond that you build playing with each other so uh, that's getting better and that's uh something to look out for in any team that's that bond is you can't play with people you don't enjoy playing with it doesn't work out well and uh that's growing and we're, we're getting better and better so there is competition out there there always is and uh, I expect to see someone in the finals. I expect to win again. I'm, I'm not afraid to put that on the line. I expect to win number four this year. That's Kyle and Rebecca Lewis. They're talking about the National Fitness Challenge that the Indy Thunder is participating in this year for the 2019 season. Y'all keep us posted on what's going on with that. We will make sure to share it out as we know more. This month's Player Spotlight, our feature story, is an interview with Stephen Guerra, who is talking to Greg Gonterek with the Philly Fire. It's a recent transaction. We're going to hear all about it. I'm excited. I hope you are too. This is Steve. This is Greg for this month. Hi, everybody. This is Steve again from the Take 30 Podcast, and I'm very honored to have Greg Gonterek as our guest. And Greg Gonterek, as you'll hear in our discussion, has a varied and large resume with regard to beatball and i'm sure you'll enjoy all that he has to say and offer for new individuals who are playing the game of beat baseball and also speaking to uh veterans like himself greg welcome to the podcast thank you steve for having me on take 30 so greg who is greg on paint us a picture from your childhood up until this point? Well, I'm very athletically oriented. I love athletics. I love the competition. And I've been playing sports ever since I was little with my parents and my siblings. And uh, in college, I was on a crew, which is a rowing sport. And uh I was uh, a stroke for the crew. I went to CW Post College on Long Island, New York, and the stroke is the lead rower for the team. And I did that for, I think it was two years or so. Uh, I started as a freshman uh, and uh, continued for four years uh, rowing and uh, for the CW Post College crew. Would you say that it was, was that the first time you had the chance to be integrated, being vision impaired or being blind into, if aka a normal sport? Uh, yes, um, I like I said played other sports with uh, you know friends and, and and you know family, but this is the first time I ever uh, was on a team for a college or anything else. And. 
what level, what do, what success did you have with the team as the stroke? And what success did your team have overall in competition against other schools? I was, I was fine being a stroke. I mean, the coach wanted me to be the stroke. Uh, so I felt honored for that. Uh, as a team, we did not do well at all. I mean, we were a, a small school. We also didn't have a either a heavyweight crew or a lightweight crew. Is kind of uh, in between. So we didn't have the opportunity to be as good as we could have been if we were one or the other. Like I said, heavyweight or lightweight, and uh, we had a, had a very poor record. In my four years, we won one one race. Was it a co-ed crew, or was it predominantly male, or how was it laid out? Uh, it was co-ed, uh, but all the rowers were male. The only one who could be a f- uh, female is the coxswain, who is the one who kind of keeps time with the rowers, or the rowers keep time with her. So you did crew in college. Did you participate in any bowling or, bl- or golf for the blind or beat baseball prior to going into college? I mean, when, what was your first insert into beat baseball? Beat baseball was, st- I started beat baseball in 1982, which is about 37 years ago to this year. Um, I was on a training class for my job. Uh, I work for the Social Security Administration. And uh, I went down to Dallas, Texas and somebody mentioned that there was a sport called beat baseball. And I took a cab out after class to the field, uh, met up with the team, and uh, enjoyed it immensely. What other teams have you participated in at some point since your, over your 37-year career? Well, I started out with the uh, Philadelphia Warriors, which is a hometown team which I started when I came back from training class. Um, And in no particular order, because I don't remember who came first or second or anything like that. I also started the uh, Pennsylvania Wolfpack, which is now the uh, Philadelphia Fire. I have played with New Jersey Titans, Austin Blackhawks, Bayou City Heat, who I'm playing for right now, uh, Oklahoma City Bombers, Carolina Warriors, Binghamton, New York, Columbus Vipers, um, the Wichita Sonics, Kansas City All-Stars, West Coast Dogs, and I even played on your team. Yeah, I know. You played with us two years played with us two years ago in bowling. Right. That was a that was a in you know, in playing with you then and having not necessarily played with you but against you on other teams and such like that. My first experience really playing with you was when we were doing the demo thing in Ames several years right. ago. And I said, you know, I never, not, not even Ames, I'm saying Rochester. And I had never really played alongside of you. And it was, you know, it, it, there's a sense of comfort that you have when you know you're playing with someone who knows the sport and knows how to communicate. So it was, uh, and unfortunately that Bolingbrook tournament what was that in 2017 was it just, it couldn't have been more windy right. that day. Right. I mean, that was, that was horrible people conditions. Um, 
what have what have been the three major highlights of your beatball career that really stand out in your mind? Uh, um, being elected to all star teams in regional competition, mainly on defense. Uh, being MVP in the World Series, again on defense. Uh, and the third one was being elected to the Beat Baseball Hall of Fame in, 19, in uh, 2017 or 16. I'm not, memory's going, Steve. Do you have any players that stand out in your mind? You've played with a lot of different teams. You've, you, there are probably very few players in the league today that have played as long as you've been playing. Are there any memorable players? I mean, do you do you recall ever playing with against or with John Ross or Denny Uberty or Bill Gibney or a Jim Quinn? And I mean, I think Jim Quinn actually was out of the league before you actually came in. But any of those memorable individuals? Uh, I honestly don't remember playing with any of them except maybe John uh, Jim Mastro, uh, and it was a very brief time, so I didn't get to really get to know him or to see his uh, how good he was. But uh, everybody says he was a, a great player in, in his time. So going back to your first insertion into beat baseball was in 1982. And so during that decade of the 80s and in the 90s and such, you had the opportunity to watch or to be present for some of the more memorable players like a Ray Marshall and such like that. But when, when did beatball click for you? When did you say, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do? Um, actually, when I first uh, got introduced to beat baseball, I was very enthusiastic when they started throwing the ball out, hearing the beep, being able to field it uh, and hit it. It, it just was... Uh, inspiring to me to know that I could hit the ball, run to a base, uh, and then uh, also have the ball hit out and be able to field it. That was something that I really, really enjoyed. What do you do now, Greg, at being a senior of the league? What do you do now to keep yourself prepared and, and fit shape for beat baseball? Because I mean, it's it's a well-known thing that there's really no specific training that you can do other than maybe sprints to prepare for this game because it takes such a toll on the body. What do you do to keep yourself in shape for the game? I uh, exercise daily. Um, I do all kinds of different things, but I'm, I have to take it easy on weightlifting because I have um, bad shoulders uh, and uh, I also have a decent diet, nothing spectacular like I'm sure a lot of other players do. Uh, and I also wear pads for the, for the game itself. I'm covered from my, most of my arms, knees, shins, and hip pads, uh, which I, I believe has protected me from injury on hard fields and uh, being hit by the ball. And uh, so that's that's basically what I have to do. And uh, I do I do sprints when I have a chance, uh, when it gets warmer, naturally. And I also have uh, my friend Janet Leonard, who's a spotter on the teams. Um, 
hit me 45 to 60 ground balls when it gets, uh, the weather gets better. And uh, that's, that's what I do to keep in shape and, and ready to go for the, for the season. That sounds awesome. So, do you th- has your shoulder injuries have they been lifelong, or do you think that that's something that has prevented you from excelling on the offensive side of the ball? Uh, well, I it's just happened recently within the last uh, three three years or so. But uh, I I know what's it's hindered me in the last three years. But I also had played gold ball for many, many years and diving on the ground for beat baseball and gold ball has, I'm sure, taken its toll on my shoulders. That's probably the one one area I don't have pads on and probably needed them, but uh, I'm, I'm still going and hopefully we'll continue to go. You're with the Bayou City Heat now and you have been and you were in the championship games um, in 2018 against the Indy Thunder. Is there any any spots of those games of that week in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, that stands out for you that you this made you proud to be a part of that team and to the rise to the level that they well, were? Well, I could say they are very, very good hitting team, which I was naturally not a part of because I was not an offensive player. I was a, a defensive player, and when I got on the field, just, just to be with a, a bunch of guys who wanted to really win this whole thing was inspiring to me and uh, they were very good and unfortunately the last the last game we we lost to the Indy Thunder we did win the first game in the championship round um, but uh, we didn't uh, keep on going unfortunately we just lost that last game which was a, a downer but you know what can you do it, you had a great team you were up against. Sure. What should we expect from the Bayou City Heat in 2019? Well, a lot of offense and uh, hopefully a little bit more defense, which will help us uh, go to the top and uh, be that number one team this year. With the possibility of the Dominican Republic and the Taiwan home run coming back to this year's World Series, what sort of impact do you think they'll make on the run at the championship game against for you guys? Um, Taiwan is always a good team, no matter who comes. They have a couple of different teams that come, but they're, they are a very good team, and they're very capable of winning the whole thing each and every year they do come. Uh, they are fast. They hit well, and they have great defense. So it's going to be a challenge to uh, try to beat them, uh, along with Indiana and uh, a few other teams like you know San Antonio and uh, there's you know Colorado. I don't know how they're going to be, but uh, they're always a challenge. Also, what makes a team? Um be cohesive and work well together? What do, what things do you see in the teams that you've been on that have worked towards a team and their success on the field while they do maybe activities off the field? I mean, do you see a, a synergy 
amongst the teams that you've been with? And is, have you seen more synergy on one team versus another, or have you seen more about that with the Bayou City Heat? Well, first of all, you have to have good coaching. Um, good coaching will always bring a team further along than uh, than uh, bad coaching. Also, you have to have team leadership. Uh, also, you need team cohesiveness, which means everybody gets along. There's no arguing, no uh, you know egos, which some teams have more than others. But uh, if you have all that, I believe a team can uh, overcome anything. That was a fantastic point. Thank you. So you're speaking now to an audience of our membership of the MBBA of nearly 600 people. What's the most important thing that you want to give or say to a new team or returning team or veteran team um, regarding beat baseball? What do you want people to know about, about beat baseball? Well, first of all, like I said before, you have to have a cohesive unit. You also have to practice, and practice like you play is what I always uh, believe in. Uh, you don't want to do things that you don't normally do in a game. Um, and, you know, get along with your teammates. And if, you, if, if, if it's a, a broken up team, it's, it's not going to be a good situation. So uh, playing uh, and in practice uh, defense, offense, and give it your all in, in practice sessions. Greg, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast with us today. And I really wish you great success in 2019 and beyond. Yeah, thank you, Steve. And thanks for having me on Take 30. What an awesome interview. What an awesome take from a competitor, a veteran, a mainstay in our league. Thanks a lot for that interview, Steve. Thanks a lot for your time, Greg. This has been another episode of Take 30. We can't wait to bring you more in March, and we're already hard at work at crafting something you're going to love, but it's nothing without your feedback. So make sure you hit us up, podcast at nbba.org, podcast at nbba.org. Tell your friends, tag us, let us know what you want to hear, and we will see you in March. March.